Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop, where every other week or so, we end up being very, 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 very late to harvest our grapes, and they get frosty. Yeah, that's right. We are talking about ice wine today, which is uh, it's an interesting one, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be an ice episode. It's pretty cool to talk about. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. We are talking ice wine, and uh, this is a good one. It's, I'd say it's been a long time coming, but we it didn't really even touch our radar for quite for a, a while. Time. I think maybe in the last year or so, I I had never heard of it. Like obviously, I've heard about we've heard about dessert wines, and this is a dessert wine, but it. I hadn't seen it in the uh, dessert wine section of our favorite bottle shops. Yeah, and admittedly, unlike a lot of other dessert wines, this one is produced in a very small number of places. Mm. So I guess let's begin by talking about what it is, and then we can come back around and get into the where it comes from. Yeah, well, let me pop it back in the fridge, mm. since we're not opening it just yet. Yes. What do you reckon? Yeah. Because I think we should taste it just before I get to talking about tasting notes. Or possibly just after. No, before, because otherwise the tasting notes will... Colour our opinion. Yes, colour our opinion. Yeah. Yes, so, uh, ice wine, otherwise known as Eiswein, is a type of... It's just ice wine in German. Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. Is a type of dessert wine that uh, is produced from grapes that have been frozen... Usually, while they're still on the vine. I mean, tr- traditionally, frozen while they're still on the vine. And those frozen grapes are then pressed while still frozen to produce this sweet, fresh, acidic sort of a dessert wine. Mm. Which... Uh, I want to get into the tasting notes, but I shouldn't because we haven't tasted it yet. But yes, uh, apparently white ice wines retain the freshness of their base grape, while red ice wines tend to have fruit flavors like strawberry and some light spice. Now, it's safe for me to talk about the red ice wine flavors because we are mm. tasting a white one, if well, you didn't work it out from the picture. <laughs> well, apparently the red, the, the white ice wine has a fuller body than the red. Which is surprising to hear. Yeah. Um, this, I mean, it doesn't make sense. Well, it's, it sort of makes sense, though, because a lot of the body from red wines come from the tannins. And perhaps freezing the grapes removes a lot of that tannin. Well, yes, it, it tends to make it a lot more acidic and less tannic, apparently. And uh, so I guess let's get into... Where it comes from, because the Mm. first ice wine is believed to have been made in Germany in the late 1700s when the freezing weather struck before the crop could be harvested. 
and the winemaker persisted in harvesting and pressing the frozen grapes anyway, and then fermented the juice into a sweet wine. He decided that he didn't care that they were frozen. He would do it anyway. Yeah, well, and it, it was probably a case of, well, either I give it a whirl or, or I throw them out. So what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, exactly. And what ended up happening, of course, was... Wunderbar! Yeah, wonderful. Ice vine. That's it. Uh, the second account is also in Germany. Uh, it it claims that the ice wine was first made in 1829 or 1830. So, the, uh, yeah. Well, as it's, with anything that... German or German. Yeah, that is hundreds of years ago. Hmm. They, yeah, they they reckon that it uh, came from the uh, Mosul region in Germany. Other documentation exists in uh, exists for the for an ice wine harvest in Dromersheim, close to Bingen in Rheinhessen, Germany. If you hadn't worked that out from the names, <laughs> in. Uh, February 11, 1830. The grapes were of the 1829 vintage. The winter was harsh, and some grape, some wine growers had the idea to leave the grapes hanging on the vine to use as animal fodder. When it was noticed that these grapes yielded a very sweet must, they were pressed and an ice wine was produced. It's, it's the same kind of concept that... Where if you make a soft drink or a cordial and you throw it in the freezer, the syrup defrosts first. And it's the same in this particular case because the higher the sugar concentration, the lower the freezing point. Yeah, exactly. And so you end up with a grape where all the waters, if the temperature is right, all the waters are frozen solid. So when you press it, only the sweetest parts are going to come out and the rest of it just stays put. Yeah. And so much so that when it's pressed, they end up with about 15% of the usual yield. 15%, wow. That that must leave a lot behind. This must be ridiculously sweet. Yeah, I I think it might be. But let's, I guess, get back to where it comes from. Because Germany, yes, it definitely began there. It mm. has since also been made in Austria. Yeah, well, it's um, pretty much next door. Yeah, well, it is. Yeah, it's right next door. Yeah. But um, they had issues with regular ice wine production there because sometimes European winters just don't get cold enough to reach what ice wine growers consider to be the ideal temperature of minus 10 to minus 12 degrees Celsius. Yeah, that. And there's only about six vineyards producing ice wine on any given year. So the the odds are pretty low of getting a good harvest. Yeah, because if the winter doesn't get cold enough and the waters don't freeze entirely, mm. then it's still going to come out when you press it. It's just going to come out as an icy slush because the, the winters were inconsistent. So enter Canada, where German immigrants began producing ice wine after realizing that every winter it got cold as all get out. <laughs> cold AF. Yeah. Yeah, it was warm enough in the summers to ripen the grapes, 
but consistently cold enough in the winters to freeze them every year. And so Canada is now one of the biggest ice wine producers in the world, Mm. producing ice wine in Ontario and British Columbia. Yeah. And that began in the 1970s. Yeah. And it wasn't even a a deliberate thing, apparently. It was because of an accidental early frost, like an unexpected early frost that snap-froze the berries on the vine. And he went, oh, this is familiar. Um, He ended up with about 40 litres of this wine, which he wasn't intending to sell, but he uh, eventually did. And and the, and now Canada is one of the biggest producers of ice wine. Yeah, with that consistent weather in those two places, it just makes good sense. Now, what's interesting is that there is another country trying its hand at ice wine, and it never gets that cold. And Australia? That is Australia. Yeah. Yes, where... They're doing it slightly differently, and I'm not entirely sure if the finished product could technically be called ice wine. It Mm. depends if you believe that it has to have been frozen on the vine or if you believe that it has to have been frozen at the time of pressing and that if the end result is the same, surely it's the same product. Well, a lot of people disagree with that including uh, a lot of governments with the uh, geographic designation of origin. Well, exactly. Exactly right. That's why the Japanese make Scotch-style whiskies. Yeah. And why they call sherry made in Australia a para and not cherry. Because it is the same. It is made the same way, but it's not the same. Mm. So what we're making here and calling ice wine is not made the same way. It's made very, very similarly, Mm. which is with frozen grapes, Yeah, but not the same way. What the Australian producers have been doing in a way to produce their own ice wine is to pick pick the crop late harvest... Good. And then immediately snap freeze it in an industrial freezer or using... Well, it'd be pretty hard to fit all that, all those grapes in a regular com- consumer fridge. Yeah, and, and either yeah, snap freeze them in an industrial commercial freezer or use cryo extraction. Cryo extraction. Interesting. To freeze the grapes before then proceeding with the standard process of pressing. Yeah. So it it sounds like it should work, mm. and it sounds like it's going to produce a very similar drink. But is it does is it the is it uh, spiritually similar? I suppose. Yeah. Is it the same? Yeah. That's that's the real question. And I I would love would have loved to get my hands on a bottle of Australian, not quite ice wine. Yeah, because we, we can't try. be. We can't be sure. We can't be sure what it's no. going to be like. Well, no, not without tasting it first. On, yeah. On that note. But what we do know, let's just <laughs> talk slightly more about the production process. 
because the the pressing is an interesting part of that because they're frozen it takes a lot more effort so normally there's not a lot of force required to press them at all they can do it by stomping on them yeah well that's how they used to do it and that's how they traditionally used to do it and now there's automated processes but those automated processes don't apply enough force to actually sufficiently squeeze the frozen grapes no we need the uh, hydraulic press channel exactly (laughs) exactly right so they use generally small hydraulic presses under significantly higher pressure than normal. Mm. And they have since developed much larger hydraulic presses that can do it a lot faster. But the whole process in in Canada or Germany or you know Austria where they're picking them frozen and then pressing them immediately to be sure they're still frozen takes about six hours. From... From picking to pressing. From vine to press. Wow. Well, from vine to completed press. Huh. That's, that's a pretty quick turnaround, re- realistically. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. I'm sure it would be a lot slower. Well, a, a lot longer between uh, picking and pressing with regular wine. Yes. So, let's uh, let's taste so that we can then talk about tasting notes. Let me get it out of the freezer. Sorry, not freezer, fridge. Fridge. It's already been iced enough. Yeah. Right. So, what what we have is RT by Randall Tomich. South Australian Ice Wine NV. Non-vintage. Non-vintage. Hmm. Uh, hand-picked parcels from our family friends' vineyards throughout South Australia. This wine is a blend of vintages put together to create a deliciously sticky sweet wine, thanks to a collaboration between viticulturist and winemaker. Uh, oh, thanks to a collaboration between viticulturists and wine viticultura viticulturalist and winemaker only the best bunches were picked at dawn and rushed to the winery so this one sounds like they actually made it properly yeah and i mean in south australia in parts at least it would get cold enough Mm. yeah here you go the ripest fruit is hand-picked deep frozen for two weeks then broken down to press as the fruit thaws the most intense flavors are released Fragrant Turkish delight, warm honey, and candied citrus flavors abound. Layers of sweet pleasure. And in this whole bottle, there's only 2.4 standard drinks. It's only 8%. I've had beers that are stronger than this. Yeah, the um, ice wines tend to vary immensely in ABV. Mm. Just because apparently the high sugar content brings an abrupt stop to the fermentation process and cuts the alcohol level low. The uh, true connoisseurs of this suggest that you should swirl it in the glass for 10 seconds before tasting. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And of course you want to serve it between 10 and 12 degrees Celsius which is, for those of you in the US, between 50 and 54 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. it uh, Unless you have a wine fridge that 
specific temperature range would be tricky to achieve. Yes. So let's talk about the the nose because that's unlike anything I've ever smelt before. It smells it smells like a dessert wine. It's oh, yeah. so syrupy. But it's so different to any other dessert wine I've ever smelled. It it kind of smells like the Botrytis wine. Oh, a little. But because um, it kind of runs along the same concept. The water is the majority of water is removed uh, with the Botrytis wine because it gets evaporated. In this case, it's frozen and left behind. Mm. Though the noble rot also affects the flavour of the grape. Correct. Whereas... This wouldn't have that. Well, it is, in fact, almost completely unaffected by noble rot. Yeah. Well, that, that's that's the idea with ice mm. wine, that it's not a Botrytis wine. That's yeah. A, like, it, it can't... Like, I mean, the, the grapes themselves, because of the way they grow them and how cold they get, it just can't mm. take hold. It can't do anything. Yeah, it's a different climate. Yeah. Yeah. So, but mm. it has, still has that really sweet, grapey smell. To oh, it. yes. I, I thought there was a bit of a, a honeyness to it as well. Yeah, he did mention that in the on the label. Uh, mm. Turkish Delight, Warm Honey and Candied Citrus Flavours. Definitely getting the candied citrus. Yeah, I was thinking some some very fruity smells there. Not oh, there's a I suppose a hint of Turkish delight, like that rose. Yeah, a hint of that rose. sugary rose yeah. flavor. Well, let's uh, let's taste. I suppose. Cheers. Cheers. That's really nice. It's yeah. way more refreshing than the Botrytis wine. Yeah. And while it is really sweet, because the, the Botrytis is really sweet, I was... It's even sweeter, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I was expecting but, that level. Mm. But yeah, because this one, that, that one's almost overwhelmingly sweet, but this is not. It's remarkably subdued comparatively. It's kind, it's kind of like soft drink level sweetness, I think. Like soft drink is sweet, like lemonade and coke are sweet, but it's not a not a sticky sweet. This has got a hint of stickiness to it, but nowhere near as sticky or or uh, cloying as the Botrytis wines. Yeah, though this does have a very sort of syrupy mouthfeel to it. Hmm. And a little bit of bitterness, which I was not expecting. And interestingly enough, when it comes to food pairings with desserts specifically, mm. they say you should only pair it with something that is as or less sweet than it is. And that if you pair it with something that's sweeter, it will make this taste really bitter. That makes perfect sense because when you have something that's sweeter... When you're pairing it with something that's not the same sweetness, the thing that is less sweet, uh, you don't taste the sweetness. Well, certainly not as much. And because this does, as as you said, have that slight bitterness on the end note, hmm. 
if you had it with something that was really sweet, you'd know about it. Yeah, I wonder what grapes they used. Whereas they um, they say that good dessert pairings are vanilla ice cream, panna cotta, creme brulee, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. if you want something with a bit more texture and richness, you can use a, a chocolate mousse or a cheesecake. I, I can definitely see this pairing very well with a creme brulee. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they reckon that it also pairs well with uh, savory foods, best with soft cheeses, mm-hmm. and um, then also seafoods and spicy cuisines like Thai, Indian, or Mexican. Savory foods. Mm. Interesting. And I suppose spicy and sweet do tend to pair off against each other well. That's how you end up with, you know, sweet chili sauce. Yeah. Because it is a good pairing. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I'm I'm surprised at how much I'm liking this. I was expecting it to be dessert like dessert wine, like gr- kind of a gross sweetness, but this is surprisingly refreshing for how sweet it is. Yeah, and I guess as as they say, the white ice wines keep the freshness of their base grape. Which is what this has done. Which is certainly what this has done. But I'm assuming from the description on the bottle that they haven't used any one particular varietal of white grape. Hmm. Well, it sounds like they've used, yeah, used a a blend of grapes to create a particular flavour. Yeah, and I guess if that flavour they were looking for, if they were intent on blending things that were very fresh they've certainly achieved it because you Mm. could make this off a riesling grape and you would undoubtedly end up with something much sweeter and much more acidic because riesling tends to be sweet and acidic anyway Mm. i know the last botrytis wine i had was a semion and that that's the one i'm talking about where it was like cloyingly sweet Mm. and I, i would be interested to see i guess how that went for a, for an ice wine. Yeah. It, it's a varietal that they grow in South Australia. I mean, they grow almost all white varietals in South Australia. Yeah. A, there's a lot of climate in South Australia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. So, Adelaide Hills being a pretty big one. Mm, so this may well contain some hmm. semillon. It probably contains some Chardonnay. I'd say, without a doubt, it would contain some Chardonnay grapes. With that bitterness, definitely. How interesting. This was, yeah, not quite what I expected. I I think I prefer it over the Botrytis wines because it's not so sweet. Yeah, I agree. And when you're looking at the same size bottle and the same sort of price point... (laughs) Yeah. This is probably the better choice i mean because it's something where you get they get significantly lower yield from the same number of grapes Mm. just like with botrytis though they get even less yield on ice wine than they do with botrytis yeah i suppose because they're not worried about uh the ice left over yeah yeah they they especially want to get rid of all the stuff that's frozen Mm. and just keep the bits that don't freeze and produce wine with that. Yeah. 
And I suppose let's talk the tasting notes now yeah. about what, uh, what... What should we have expected from this one? So it generally, and this is, you know, ice wines in general, mm. contain strong notes of citrus, honey, yep, stone yep. fruit, and tropical fruits. Yeah. But this one's not so much tropical, but yeah, more on the cit- citrus and honey. Mm. I, I think I got a bit of the, the stone fruit side there. Yeah, like that little bit of tartness. Yeah, like a, a little bit of maybe apricot. Or a hint. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, not like, oh my God, that tastes like apricot, but like, you know, a hint of... Yeah, I suppose that's what they talk about with tasting notes. It's a hint of this and a hint of that. Like, no, it's not a bottle full of Turkish delights, honey and candied citrus. Which would be pretty good. I'd I'd have that too, but... <laughs> yeah, but it is definitely reminiscent of those things. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, this is certainly not one of those bottles oh, where... As it warms up, that's when the, the stone fruit comes out. Ah. So cold, it, you got more of those citrus, uh, citrus honey and Turkish delight, like it says on the bottle, but as it's warming... Yeah, I'm noticing more the stone fruit. Mm. Well, it is nice when what they describe on the bottle isn't just wank. Yeah. Because oftentimes, like, you t- if you taste it first and then read the description on the bottle, you're thinking, yeah, I guess. Yeah. If I squint real hard with my taste buds, maybe. <laughs> but Th- This contains notes of almonds. Does it, though? <laughs> Yeah, because there are a lot of good wines where you read the wank and then you taste it and you go, my God, that's Mm. not wank. It tastes exactly like that. Yeah. Well, this is one of those cases. I mean, this this comes down to the the vineyard and the the winemaker. Yeah, and obviously the temperature you're drinking it at. If you drink it at the ideal temperature as this was when we began, Mm. you'll get exactly what they described on the bottle. Yeah, and if you drink it a little bit warmer, you're going to start to get things that are closer to the generically expected tasting notes mm. from an ice wine. What do you reckon about this one, though? How many bottle caps? Oh, I think I would probably give this eight and a half bottle caps, which has got to be my highest rating ever for a dessert wine. <laughs> yeah, I would give this eight and a half too. And that's because it's only a small bottle. The price is quite high. And it's not something you can drink very often, I suppose. Yeah, and even though it's only two and a half standards, you wouldn't want... Like, you could drink it in one sitting, but you wouldn't or want to. you'd feel pretty gross. And I'd feel pretty gross yeah, after drinking that like whole so bottle. You wouldn't want to, and you really shouldn't. Yeah. It'd, well, it'd be a waste. Yeah, well, and because it is the sort of thing where... Like, well, again, some people say that the... I, I did read a few suggestions that you should drink it in a wide-mouthed white wine glass mm. to let it breathe. But if you actually drunk a full white wine's glass worth of it, it would be overkill. Yeah. So, so the amount... And that may be the best way to let it breathe, but certainly the amount you want to consume is a standard dessert wine glass worth. 
any more than that and the the flavors would just be too mm. much. Yeah, and too much sweetness on your palate. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, I haven't got anything else. I see you've necked the last little bit of it. The last little bit of it. Well, I waited <laughs> for it to warm up a bit. And you're absolutely right. The stone fruit really does come out more mm. as the temperature goes up. And it, and it gets more of a grape flavor. Yeah. Mm. Which I think is quite interesting for a wine. They tend not to have so much grape flavors anymore. Yeah, it's a very interesting wine. Mm. If you've never tried it, I think we can safely both recommend it. Yeah. Eight, eight and a half out of ten would recommend again. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, so that is all the time we have for today. Yeah. If you liked what you heard, everyone, be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. We are a good drop all about alcohol on your favorite podcast app, including Podbean, Apple Podcasts, YouTube Music Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, and many more. You can also find us on the Zuckerbergs, Facebook and Instagram as a good drop podcast. Mm. And if you want to check out our uh, giant library of previous episodes, jump on our website, agooddrop.com.au. Or if you've got any comments, suggestions, uh, feedback, or uh, if you have a favorite ice wine you want us to try, send us an email to agooddrop at gmail.com. And do be sure to tune in next time when we do another glasses test. It's been a while since we've tested glass shapes. It is. And this time around, we're doing another classic drink. We are. We're seeing the difference glass shapes make to the flavor of brandy. Hmm. And as you and I both know, people who drink brandy drink it out of one specific type of glass. But what if you don't have one? What are the closest ones we could use? Indeed. Shoot us an email if you have any suggestions. Uh, Until then, cheers. Cheers.